Oh my gosh, when you saw that I posted a new episode, were you like, wait, what? Is this an old episode? Is there a glitch in the system? No, you guys, I am motivated and excited to shout from the rooftops that I am back in the podcast game. Um, If you are a new listener, please go back and listen to episode, sorry, season one, because then you're going to really see what I believe in, what I'm passionate about, who I am, what I do. Um, For those of you who have been longtime listeners, thank you for holding out. I know that the last year I have totally crapped out on this and, you know, life just got really busy and I was speaking a lot and traveling a lot and working a whole lot. So I, yeah, I put the podcast on the back burner and I don't know why because I love making podcasts. So thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm going to really focus this season on all sorts of things. It's going to be a good mix of mental health tips, um, parenting tips, screen usage tips, which obviously goes into the parenting thing. I hope that you guys find every episode helpful. I am hoping to do an episode every other week. So be on the lookout for an episode every other week. Make sure you're subscribed so that you can get those notifications. And as always, you can find more info about me at www.tessastuckey.com or on Instagram at The Mom Therapist. And I hope you guys enjoy this season of For the Sake of Our Youth. Okay, so before this episode gets going, I wanted to say that it's all about social media. I wanted to talk about, I kind of wanted to dive right in in the new year with all the things that I want parents to understand about social media. Definitely go back and listen to season one, though, to get a full idea of why I feel some of the things that I feel when it comes to social media. But also, I want to apologize for the quality of the recording. I am so sorry. I'm having technical difficulties. I'm figuring it out. But the recording of this episode is not top notch. So I apologize. But it still has really good info. So don't skip over it. Okay, so... For those of you who have not listened to my podcast at all ever before, I encourage you to go back to season one, maybe season two, maybe season three, but definitely season one um, is a good description and um, episodes about what I'm passionate about and who I am and all that jazz. So um, I'm not going to like, you know, spend too much time with the history of that. I want you to kind of go back and listen or order my book for the sake of our youth or find me on Instagram at the mom therapist and you can get all the info you need about me, what I stand for and why I'm talking about this stuff. Um, So today we're gonna kind of jump in with social media. I wanna talk about social media with our kids and my thoughts on that and kind of what to watch out for. You can let your kids listen to this episode or not, but there is gonna be some things in here that I feel like, you need to know and then maybe they don't need to hear all of it just because it's not inappropriate it's just that I kind of give some of my tricks not tricks but things that you can use to communicate with your kids to make the best decision for your family and I don't want them to necessarily like have a cheat sheet to that but anyways you decide you decide so everyone asks me when is it okay to give our kids social media you know my cousin 
or my sister has a kid who's nine years old and has an Instagram and a TikTok account. Like, is that okay? All this stuff. Long story short, no, I don't think it's okay. I don't think social media is appropriate for kids and teenagers. Their brain is not fully developed. They're going to make bad choices on there. And I have a lot of reasons why I dislike social media. When I first started my research and when I wrote my book, there were five main problems with social media. Since then, which it's been about two or three years since, oh my gosh, maybe it's been longer since I've published, no, it'll be three years in April of 2023 that my book was published. Um, and so since then, I've come up with like five more. So I have tons of reasons why social media is not good for our kids. Um, and, and I want to go ahead and just say, I have social media. I have Facebook, I have Instagram, and I have Snapchat. I really don't use Snapchat, to be honest, but it's still on my phone. Um, but I definitely use Instagram and Facebook. And so I don't want to be hypocritical by any means, but what I am here to say is that kids and teenagers shouldn't be on social media. So I'm not anti-social media completely. I do kind of secretly wish it would go away, but I'm not anti-social media. I'm anti our kids being on social media. And I'm anti anything with our kids that gives them these huge dopamine dumps that is unhealthy for their brain, unhealthy for their social emotional development and social media is definitely part of that and i think as parents okay let me just get into it because there's so many things to cover when it comes to social media and i don't have all day and neither do you so let's get into it so um you know we can go over the popular social media um apps but also i want to talk about what's wrong with them so the one that i hate the most is tiktok right now and that's just because it's the big one it's the most popular one it's been popular for a few years um that's where all of our kids are that's where they get extremely addicted to their screen um you know they get on to get on for 10 minutes to you know cure their boredom and then four hours later they look up from their screen it's just not TikTok to me is like everything bad happening in this world and everything within their culture and everything that my book is based around all in one app that is tricking our kids and adults too to think that it's cute and fun and, you know, great entertainment. But anyway, it, I just really think it's today's version of like um, stranger, like a stranger pulling up in a big white van offering our kids candy and then kidnapping them like I know that sounds so dramatic but that's what's happening to our kids mental health when they get on TikTok they get obsessed with it they want to just gain followers it's just a whole thing so TikTok is my absolute positive like delete 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 hate it hate it hate it hate it for everyone no matter how old you are um, but especially with kids it's not just innocent dancing and puppy videos it's it's not good there was this story I love this story and I've changed it a little bit so that it, um, you know, anyway, so there's this teenager that goes up to her mom and she's like, mom, can I get t TikTok? It's, it's not that bad. It's, you know, it's mostly good stuff. It's like got cute stuff and I can learn recipes and I can learn this and that. And, you know, it teaches you coping skills and it's just so great. And all my friends have it. And so it can't be that bad. And it's, it's fine, mom. Can I have TikTok? It's mostly good. And the mom says, well, let me think about it. Why don't you go, you know, get your chores done, get your homework done. Let me think about it. I'm going to make some brownies um, and let's talk about it. And so the mom makes brownies. And by the way, this is not a real, this did not actually happen to my knowledge. The mom makes the brownies and the daughter comes back and says, mom, did you think about it? Can I 
have TikTok. Remember, it's mostly good, not all bad. And the mom says, you know what? I just, I'm really not comfortable with it. Why don't you have some brownies, a piece of, you know, a bite of some brownies. But just before you eat that, I should tell you that I put a little bit of poo-poo in it. <laughs> just a little bit, though. Not all of it is bad. Just a little bit. <laughs> um, and I just love that little analogy story because, you know, that's the truth. Like, if you make brownie batter with a little bit of poop in it, you're going to be affected by the poo-poo. <laughs> um, and same thing with our kids on social media is if you are going to be exposed to bad stuff on the social media platforms, like, it's going to happen no matter what, you know, no matter what parenting uh, restrictions you set, no matter no matter what you do, our kids are going to be exposed and and have to deal with the negatives that come with it. So TikTok's my least favorite. Instagram is a tough one because there's a lot of FOMO happening, body image comparison. Those unrealistic comparisons are going to happen a lot on Instagram because it's all pictures. Um, Discord, I really dislike Discord. To me, it's, it's similar to just chat rooms that people can join in on they call them servers not chat rooms but it started off as a gaming platform for gamers to come on and talk about their games but now it's available for anyone and everyone and you know our kids it's basically group chats and chat rooms but strangers can get involved in them too so all of my male adolescent clients say that discord is where that they saw porn for the first time so i just like discord as well snapchat um snapchat's risky because it's how all of the kids text today, but they can also, you know, all the texts delete after it's been seen. Um, they've got the story situation and um, they can hide things on there. That's where a lot of the nude picture back and forth is, you know, happening. So Snapchat is, I think, I don't like Snapchat. At the end of the day, I don't like Snapchat, but if you guys can remember AOL Instant Messenger, that's what today's Snapchat is. It's like today's version of AOL Instant Messenger. The difference is it's on their phone and it's very easy to pass around pictures. So, um, yeah, so like you have your friend list and you chat with them. But the difference was we had to be home on our computer hooked up to dial up. And, um, you know, it's just a different, obviously, they have their phone with them all the time so that they can snap all the time. And again, things disappear. Or they think they disappear, but the cops can get, um, can see everything. So Snapchat's not good. Another thing I don't like about Snapchat is the location. So a lot of them keep their location on so that their friends can see where they are, like at all times. You guys were raising a bunch of stalkers. Like our culture is encouraging stalker behavior. So like I have clients who will come in and be like, yeah, my feelings got hurt because I looked on Snap Maps and saw that, you know, my three friends were all at Crest Pizza together and I wasn't invited. And I'm sitting there thinking like, if you didn't have Snap Maps, you would have never known that. And your friends are allowed to go hang out without you sometimes. Now, yes, it hurts your feelings to not be invited, but for whatever reason you weren't, and we can maybe dissect that, but like at the same time, our kids are like obsessed with checking their friends snap maps and snap locations and especially if like there's a crush or a dating situation it can really get toxic really fast so and that's another thing i don't like about snapchat okay the newest one that i've got clients on right now is be real that made it sound like i'm putting my clients on social media i'm not um my clients tell me about the 
apps and then I get them and I explore them. So Be Real is the newest one that um, basically it lets them know every day. It pings them every day and they have two minutes to take a picture no matter where they are, what they're doing, just to be real. So there's no filters. Um, it takes a picture of like through their front camera and the back camera. So um, you see where they're sitting, what they're doing, that sort of thing. I don't see huge, huge problems with Be Real at the moment. Um, except I guess they can get obsessed with, you know, doing it within that two minute period, but also you can post post late. So that doesn't make sense either. Um, and there is commenting. So I guess, you know, potentially it could be cyberbullying. Also, you can like find people on there. So predators. So, you know, all the problems probably. Um, I am a big believer that anything that is online is privy to any of the negatives that come with social media which I should probably get into that, shouldn't I? Instead of just talking about the apps. Um, another one to be careful for though, really quick, let me just finish, is YouTube. Obviously we know that. Huge dopamine dumps come from YouTube and our kids can stumble onto a video that's inappropriate. Omegle is one to watch out for. It is random stranger matching, basically. You get on and it matches you with just some random person and it could be someone in you know, the UK, it could be someone in New Zealand, it doesn't matter. Um, I've had a lot of my clients, quote unquote, meet friends that way at young ages. Yik Yak is one to be aware of. I believe it's more common for the college kids, but basically Yik Yak is you can see what, like a forum of people talking, like a chat, um, anyone that's in five miles, a five mile radius of you. So, um, there's a lot of sexual, a lot of sexual stuff on there. Um, another one to be aware of is Pinterest and y'all, I know I love me some Pinterest to do, you know, see what color hair I should go with this time or a DIY project or a new recipe. I love it. But for our kids, it's basically just an aesthetically pleasing, organized view to the World Wide web. So we have to be careful. Okay. So these are the 10 things that I dislike about social media. I'm going to jump right in. So first is unrealistic comparison. So our kids are going to deal with FOMO, body image, false sense of reality. It's going to add to pressure. It's going to contribute to a world of perfectionists. Next up is screen addiction. So dopamine dumps happen with social media. Um, we're not meant to get dopamine, no, dopamine dumps. We're meant to get dopamine drips throughout the day. Um, if we get dumps, it makes it really hard to enjoy life's little joys. Um, also, it keeps our kids up at night. So screen addiction um, is going to keep our kids up late at night. And if they're on late at night, then that can lead to um, early exposure. The average age for kids to see porn now is eight years old. I know I've talked about that before on here, but eight, you guys, oh my gosh, I have an 11, a nine and two seven year olds and it, it literally breaks my heart every time I think about the idea of them seeing something at the ages that they are. So that if the average age is eight, that means there's little ones, you know, younger than eight seeing it. And it's just, it breaks my heart. But those late nights, on screens or kids who have access to all the things on their phones or their tablets, they are going to stumble onto something inappropriate and it just, it's, they're too young. It, it creates trauma in their brain. It's like an imprint in their brain and 
um, really, really unhealthy for their developmental growth. So the next one is predators. So we don't have to worry about our kids running into strangers in those vans anymore offering candy you know, at the park. We have to worry about our kids under our roof now online. So the predators are where the kids are. We're dealing with a lot of sextortion. Sextortion is when someone uh, tricks your child into thinking that they're their age usually and um, convinces them to send a nude picture of some sort and then once they send the picture the other person comes back and says haha now send me five thousand dollars or i'm going to send this to everyone you know um, it's happening like crazy right now there have been suicides due to this it's happening to a lot of teen boys um and so sex torsion is something for us to be aware of and and very real very very real happening with our kids um drug deals happen online uh, I know on Snapchat, they there are drug dealers who have menus that you can just click on and um, they, you can order drugs via online like that and get it delivered to your door. Um, so, you know, we have a big fentanyl situation happening in our country and a lot of that is uh, drug deals happening online and social media with our kids. The next problem is cyberbullying. So, I mean, this is not anything new. You're not shocked by hearing this, but hurt people hurt people, and there's a lot of hurt people online and behind a screen, and they are more confident to be hurtful to others when they are not having to face the person face-to-face, -face, rather on behind a screen. But cyberbullying can look, it can be very sneaky too. It can be a group of girls taking a picture and the girl tagging everyone except for one of the girls, you know, and then that girl is being, you know, left out on purpose. And it can be someone posting someone to make somebody else jealous. It can be um, purposefully sending someone um, a story with you and your best friends and you want that other person to know that, you know, they're not wanted here. So it can look in, in all sorts of ways. It's not always someone posting, you know, go kill yourself it can look very different in different ways but yes that's happening too where people like I said are hurt behind a screen and they feel much more confident saying really horrible things behind a screen and you would you would be heartbroken if you knew some things that these kids are reading um, from other people online and it's it's not good okay so that's the five the main five ones that are in my book. So now I'm gonna talk about the five that I've come up with since then. Um, so the other one is, I think those are the five that are in my book, right? They should be. Anyways, the next one is that your social life never turns off. Like remember being a kid or a teenager and getting home from school and if you didn't feel like talking to anyone or dealing with anything, you just didn't answer the phone or like told your mom not to answer the door or tell your friend you're like, sleeping or something um, or you're not home well these kids can't get that they their social life does not turn off and they are stuck seeing what everyone else is doing they're stuck um, feeling that pressure to keep up and they never get that break and that's not healthy for anyone for anyone and um, we need breaks from our social life we need breaks from that and not feel this pressure to keep up with everything also like, I, I look back and I wasn't always invited to everything. 
I know that might be a shock to you guys, right? No. I wasn't always invited to everything, but I didn't know about it until, like, Monday at school, right? Like, I could still enjoy my weekend, whether I was hanging out with my family or I had, you know, was hanging out with some friends of mine. I didn't know what I was missing out on until Monday, if that. I mean, sometimes you wouldn't even find out. And so, you know, also... Not only was I not invited to everything, but I also got in trouble a lot in high school, and so I was grounded a lot. So I would be so devastated to be grounded and be missing out, and, like, that's where it stopped. I didn't have to see everyone having fun, and so I would hang out with my parents, but still, like, not be up all night with anxiety because all my friends were out and I wasn't, and that's what our kids are dealing with today. So social life does not turn off. The next one that I have a problem with with social media is particularly to TikTok, and that's the TikTok challenges. So I know you guys have read about it. There's kids that have died from attempting TikTok challenges. I always say it reminds me of that MTV show Jackass where these kids are doing stupid things, but now it's worse because they want their videos to go viral or somebody else did it, so they think they can do it, and it's basically just... And it's on 24-7, so it's basically just stupidity, uh, a ripple effect of stupidity. So I hate the TikTok challenges. My next one is mental illness hypochondria. So I came up with this term called mental illness hypochondria. No idea if anyone else has ever come up with this, but I see it in my office all the time. I see it with people all the time, and I'm like... I'm tired of it. <laughs> but basically, it's where our kids are getting online to learn how to self-diagnose themselves. So technology is not all bad, right? There's some good information resources on technology like the things I'm sharing with you guys. But now we live in a time where it can come from anyone. So these people, teenagers say, are getting on TikTok, say, and saying things like, I just found out that I'm autistic. You might be autistic too if you have these five symptoms. And then they go through the five symptoms and then viewers look at it and they're like oh my gosh I'm autistic and it's like well okay you might be I don't want to say that you're not but self-diagnosing yourself from TikTok no and you're gonna get yourself all worked up about it too so just like when I was studying grad school and had to learn the different diagnoses and reading the DSM like you I guarantee you guys if you were to read through the DSM through different diagnoses like it's so easy to convince yourself that you have that illness like schizophrenia, borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder. Like you read it and you're like, oh, I do that sometimes once when I was in third grade, you know? And so you totally convince yourself or just like when you get on Google to Google, you know, the pain in your right elbow and then you've you fall down this rabbit hole and you convince yourself that you have a tumor in your left pinky toe. Like it's just not good, right? We need to go to the professionals for this. We need to um, actually get evaluated properly and so what our kids are doing is they're getting on things like YouTube and TikTok they're learning the words okay so they're learning the big words to use so then people grown-ups are like oh, she must be really feeling this way I heard this at a conference this lady was like I have a client who's talking about dissociative disorder blah 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 and she's dissociating and you know I just how would she know that word um, she must be really feeling this. And I'm just sitting there like biting my tongue because I'm like, because she probably freaking looked it up online. She probably saw it on a TikTok or a YouTube video, learned that that's a word, 
like what nine-year-old knows what dissociating means, you know? Um, And now she's convincing everyone that she has it, including herself. Like that's what happens, right? That's the hypochondria stuff is that the kids do convince themselves. And here's the thing, you guys, with any diagnosis, whether they have it or not, is there is a very sensitive time to diagnose our kids and put that label on them because our kids are growing and their identities are being established. And there's a certain time and it's different for every kid and it's different for every case and it's different for every diagnosis. But if we imprint on them this label when they are not ready for it, then they develop their entire identity around that label. So sometimes it can be helpful for us to get a new diagnosis because we're like, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense why I was awkward in you know, sixth grade or whatever. Um, and then other times it's like, oh my gosh, that's why I'm awkward. Therefore, I will be awkward forever. And I am going to embrace my awkwardness, not embrace. And I'm going to um, be extra awkward. Like I see it all the time, right? Where kids like really take it on. And it's just not healthy for their mind. And, and so that's why you have to go to a professional. That's why we can't let our kids self-diagnose themselves or start using these big words that they don't actually know what they mean. And, um, or they're researching and their sources are YouTube and TikTok. Like, it's just like, you guys get it, right? You hear what I'm saying. It's not good. It's not healthy. It can lead into more and more problems. I have so many clients that use these big words. It makes them sound like they know what they're talking about, but they don't know what they're talking about. Sometimes they do, um, but sometimes they don't. And it's just, it's really hard. I'm not going to lie for my job because I'm like, okay, do you have this or did you just watch a bunch of TikToks last night? You know, do you, are you developing tics? Because tics is a very popular trend right now. I will say I've had less and less clients, so maybe the trend is going away. But developing tics, and I feel like I've talked about that on here before, is very popular right now. And um, a lot of it is coming from watching TikTok. And so it's mimicking behavior. It's wanting to take on that identity. It's relating to the person who is struggling and being like, oh, I struggle that way too. And then, oh, they tick, I'm going to tick. It's all, it's kind of subconscious, but I think sometimes it's conscious. Anyways, so with the mental illness, hypochondria leads me to my next one, which is diagnoses are rising. So we're seeing more and more kids um, being diagnosed with tics, OCD, bipolar disorder, um, ADHD. I also think that the way that we are using technology is exercising different parts of our brain and so, or we're not exercising parts of our brain that we should be exercising. So therefore you're gonna see more of the ADHD. Also, symptoms of screen addiction looks like ADHD. So you see these kids who are at home all day with their iPad and then they go to school and they're bouncing off the wall. That's because they are getting their dopamine from their tablets and then they don't have it. They don't know how to self-regulate their emotions. They don't know how to get through any of that. So um, another thing that just kind of came to me is that that I talk about all the time, but we're going to go ahead and throw that in there today with social media is, <clears throat> excuse me, is that our kids are using social media as a boredom buster, entertainment, um, and a coping skills. So they're not actually learning how to build coping skills. So a lack of resilience is happening and social media is a big part to blame with that. Not all of it. If you've listened to my stuff before, you know that it's not all social media 
creating and contributing to the lack of resilience, but social media is a huge part of it. And the last one, like I said, um, because we're not exercising our brain the way that we used to or we should, we're all guilty of this. This is just the case with screens in general, not just social media, but we're all dealing with a lack of focus and a lack of attention. I know I feel it. I know I talk to people who are feeling it. Um, I feel like little things like I used to, you know, memorize how to get, you know, directions and how to get somewhere. And now I don't have to do that anymore because I have Siri telling me when to turn left. And so therefore I'm not exercising that part of my brain anymore. And so if our kids aren't exercising that part of their brain at all during these developmental ages, that can be really, really bad. So those are, so this is what I tell parents all the time. And this is why I wasn't sure if you should let your kids listen to this episode or not. I, when people come to me and they're like, when should I let my daughter have social media? This is my response. If your daughter can name 10 negatives about getting social media, then she might be ready to get social media. So I always say 16 is usually the age where I feel comfortable with a client or an individual getting their first social media account, which I know is, is older and later than you would think because all these kids are getting it in you know sixth, seventh, eighth grade if not sooner, but 16 is really where their brain and their emotional ability to have some maturity kicks in for most, again, case by case. Um, and so I like to wait till kids are 16. Um, but what we want, what we really, really want is for them to understand the negatives that come with social media, why we are nervous as adults. I'm sorry if you can hear my dog in the background. Troy, can you just sit out? why we are nervous as adults giving it. Why as mom, I'm nervous to give you social media or allow it. Well, one is overwhelming to monitor it. So just know that as a parent, like if you're gonna let your kid have social media and you're ready to take on the task of monitoring, it's gonna be overwhelming. If you're not ready for that, then don't give your kid social media. Um, but also, uh, what was I saying? No, I can't remember. Oh my gosh, crap. Oh. If, if our kids understand what we're nervous about and the negatives of, of social media, then there's a higher chance that they're going to be aware of it and maybe not be as affected by it. They probably still will be, to be honest. But um, So that's why I like the age around 16, but also they know about all the harms, what we're nervous about. Um, and so those, op- those reasons that I said just a little bit ago are those 10 reasons. And I guess I said 11, but... I swear, every time I talk about this, I throw in extra ones. But, you know, another thing with our kids is it's not, you know, social media is not going away. We know this, um, but we can teach our kids to be purposeful on social media. We can teach them to use it for benefit and purpose and productivity rather than just scrolling mindlessly. We want to avoid the mindless scrolling. Anytime our kids pick up the phone to mindlessly scroll, there's a higher risk of them falling into all those things that I dislike about social media. So something that a friend told me um, that he uses, um, I'm not sure where he got this acronym, but the acronym LIFT is a really great acronym for kind of slowing down your thought process and before you lift up your phone to look at it, what are you using, what are you getting on social media for? So the L stands for love or be loved inspire or be inspired, fulfill or be fulfilled, teach or be taught. So I love that. 
Like, are we going to be lifting when we pick up our phone and get on social media? Or are we just getting on to mindlessly scroll? Because if so, then let's just not even get on it. You know what I mean? Um, okay, what else do I want you guys to know about social media? Oh, okay, the big one. I don't want my kid to be left out, right? Well, first of all, if everyone has Snapchat, I get the pull as a parent. You know, I don't want my daughter to be left out. Or I don't want my son to be left out. Or all the whole football team was talking about something on Snapchat, and my son didn't, had no idea about it, and so he had to go to school the next day and didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah, I hear it all the time. And I get it. So here's a couple of my thoughts on that. First, whether your kid has social media or not, I want you to listen to this because this is very real and we forget about this sometimes. Whether your kid has social media or not, they will be left out. It is part of life. Every single one of you has been left out of something in your life. Don't you dare act like you haven't. <laughs> I know I have. Whether social media is in their life or not, they will be left out of things, okay? The other thing I want you to think of is when they have social media and they're left out, because that is gonna happen too, it's 10 times worse because it's right in their face. So like what I, what I was saying earlier about cyberbullying, about someone purposefully leaving someone out or snap maps or whatever, like it's 10 times worse because they can see it. So that's not good for their mental health. So if they're gonna be left out regardless, whether they have social media or not, and then if they have social media and it makes it worse, another thing is there's so many negatives that come with social media that our kids are actually benefiting from missing out from those things, right? So the things that our kids are missing out on is actually really toxic and unhealthy for them and it's just, it's that poop brownie analogy, right? <laughs> like the good stuff on social media is so little compared to the bad stuff that we kind of want our kids to be missing out on the bad stuff. It's the same thing as my parents not letting me go to a party that there weren't going to be parents at. My parents were pretty, my parents were good parents, but they were very strict with certain things. And one of them was there had to be parents at the house wherever I was going. And if they didn't if they didn't let me go, I was so mad at them. I hated them. I thought they were horrible, such strict parents. Why were all these other parents so cool and mine were not? Why did I get left with the uncool, horrible parents who care about me? <laughs> um, and, you know, there were a lot of parties that I missed out on. That I was really like, it's not just the party that I'm going to miss out on. It's the inside jokes that are going to be established there. It's the connection that those girls are going to all have with each other and I'm not going to have it. You know, it was a lot that comes with that feeling of being left out. Um, but I was also being left out of getting drunk, um, doing drugs, having sex, like the stuff that are really big. So like the weight, you got to look at the weight, right? Like me missing out on the toxic stuff weighed more than the friendship connections that I was missing out on. That was more important to my parents for me to stay safe and healthy um, rather than focusing on my connection with some girls that I was on drill team with. Does that make sense? So that's the case with our kids on social media is the weight, like the weight of all the bad stuff that comes with social media weighs so much more than our kids missing out on the little connections that are happening 
through Snapchat. And also, can I just say, and I've said this before, is that the connection through social media is not the full connection. And so our kids are dealing with um, like more surface level acquaintance type connection rather than those deep, meaningful connections because when you connect via screen, you don't get oxytocin and we need oxytocin. I know I've talked about this on here before, but we need oxytocin to feel truly connected to someone. So they're just getting dopamine, no oxytocin, blah, 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 blah. That, not to say that there's not any connection. There can be a little bit of connection, but the true meaningful connections happen in person. And so as parents, we need to push that a little bit more and and get those things set up and encourage that and talk to the other parents about that rather than just like, okay, fine, get Snapchat so that you know what the other cheerleaders are going to wear tomorrow. You know what I mean? But also I'd encourage you to get, get a hold of some of the other moms and dads who are maybe easy to talk to or your kids, friends, parents, and be like, hey, she doesn't have Snapchat. We're not allowing it right now. Um, I listened to this amazing podcast and it just changed. Anyway, um, and so do you think you could like encourage your daughter to go out of her way to text my daughter some things that she may be left out of knowing that they're just talking about on Snapchat? Like if your kids have good friends, they will do that for them. Now, Maybe your kids don't have good friends, and we need to talk about that next time. But um, there are tons of kids out there that will be like, yeah, I don't – so you don't have Snapchat, but you have GroupMe? Like, let's do a group on there. Or, yeah, I'll text my best friend and let her know that we're meeting at 5 instead of 7. Like, that's totally fine. 5 and 7, that's a big jump. Anyway, I hope this was helpful. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, you can find more information at my website, www.tessastuckey.com. That's with an E-Y. Or you can find me on Instagram where I try to keep up daily with um, resources and information and tips and tricks at The Mom Therapist. And I hope you guys keep listening. I'm not sure what next episode will be about, but we will see. Thank you.